Well, there are some positives from this cold snap. Uh, the outdoor rinks are in great shape now after flooding. Uh, cross-country ski trails doing a lot better because of uh, the extra snowfall, but uh, miserably cold as we have an extreme cold warning. And in fact, frostbite in minutes right now. Yes, buses are running for school, except for the paratransit. And uh, my, oh my, I think uh, most everyone, with the exception of those who have to push for those extracurricular activities, whether it be hockey or getting a moose job back and forth or the Battle of the Prairies football tournament, which is huge, uh, it might be one of those weekends to look for ways to just nestle in and enjoy a movie, maybe football. The NFL wildcard weekend. Here to talk about it with me is our Great Cup champ and Green Zone guest analyst, Belton Johnson. Belton, Cleveland Browns, Houston Texans. Let's start with this game. Joe Flacco has come in, looked really confident after uh, Deshaun Watson went down with a season-ending shoulder surgery. Uh, can the 30-year-old Flacco keep it going? What do you think, buddy? My thoughts are the Browns, they probably should win this game because that offense uh, has gotten better as Flacco's been the leader there and everything. And don't forget, Greg, they do have the number one overall defense led by Mr. Miles Garrett. But I'm taking the Texans in this one, Greg, and it's just – you know, they've been a surprising team this year, I feel, uh, with a rookie head coach, D'Amico Rhines, and a rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud. I agree with you. He's so calm and confident, that Stroud, and uh, he's throwing, like, what, over 4,100 yards, hardly ever throws an interception. I'm with you on that one. I'll, I'll take the Texans at home to win that one as well. The late game is going to be interesting and cold, buddy. Dolphins <laughs> and Kansas City Chiefs. It's looking like the wind chill, get this, is going to be minus 30 at kickoff. Colder by the fourth quarter even. Those Dolphins can't handle that kind of cold, can they? And that's the reason I'm picking the Chiefs, <laughs> Greg, is their offense has to struggle this season, but I'm thinking that they find their groove when they're playing at home here. And I'm not sure how the Dolphins are going to hold up in cooler weather. No, cooler weather. (laughs) (laughs) Sunday, Pittsburgh and Buffalo. I can appreciate how the Steelers won their last three in a row to get here. Bills have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, though, Josh Allen. For that reason, I'm picking the Bills. You? And I'm picking the Bills. They've been a hot team here. They went one five straight, and the Steelers, remember, they're without their defensive guy, T.J. Watts. So, yes, I'm taking the Bills over – the Steelers there. It's a no-brainer that Jordan Love has to shine for the Packers to upset the Cowboys. He's thrown 18 touchdown passes and just one interception in the last eight. There's a good chance Love continues to excel, but the Cowboys at home are huge. 8-0 at home this year, Belton. And that's my thing. The Cowboys are really, really good at home this season. I don't know what it is. I think that puts it together. That offense is going to come out, and at the end of the game, you're going to be saying, how about them Cowboys? Damn right, Sam. <laughs> yeah, Prescott, he's just a little more cool under pressure, and I think Love's youth and inexperience uh, can lead to mistakes. So, yeah, Cowboys there. Rams in the lines. This is going to be fun because the Rams are quarterbacked by former Detroit QB Matthew Stafford, who spent 12 seasons there. What a homecoming. What do you think here? Going with the Rams, and the simple fact is that Detroit Lions are secondary they give up lots of points this whole season here. Everything great. And Matthew Stafford, you know how good he is. Puka Nakua, uh, Tutu Atwell, uh, Cooper Cup. 
they have lots of weapons on that offense to get it done, and Kyron Williams there as well. Yeah, that Rams team won seven of the last eight to close out the season, and uh, that one loss was, uh, what, overtime to the Ravens? Yeah, I, I think That's you got to go L.A. Uh, Monday, the Eagles and the Bucks. The Eagles are limping into the playoffs, having lost five of the last six. They haven't come close to looking like the Super Bowl team from a year ago. I, I think the Bucks are on this one, don't you? Well, I'm, I'm gonna have to disagree with you. Wow. Yes. And I agree that the Eagles, yes, they've struggled. Look like they're unraveling here, right? Like as the, you know, going into the playoffs and everything. But I think the Eagles are a better team at every position over the Bucks, from quarterback down to the long snapper and everything, Greg. So. I'm going with the Eagles. I think they're going to get things corrected here in the playoffs. And I thought you were a smart man. Bucks played better down the stretch. They went 5-1. and one. <laughs> Belton, I love you, brother. It is good to have you back on the show. Have a good weekend. We'll talk Monday about uh, our results of the uh, wild card weekend. Enjoy. Sounds good. Stay warm, Greg. I'm just a long-haired son of a sinner Searching for new Well, you know, I've been telling you, he's one of my favorite artists lately, Jelly Roll, uh, once a drug dealer, now a country singer, and he's now advocating for anti-fentanyl legislation on Capitol Hill. He was there in front of all of the politicians yesterday giving testimony that, uh, man, I thought he, he was impressive. He went on for almost five minutes. Here's just a... Uh, uh, less than a minute of what he said, and man, he hits it hard. 190 people a day overdose and die every single day in the United States of America. That's what about a 737 aircraft can carry. But because it's 190 drug addicts, we don't feel that way. Because America has been known to bully and shame drug addicts instead of dealing and trying to understand what the actual root of the problem is with that. I've attended more funerals than I care to share with y'all. This committee, I could sit here and cry for days about the caskets I've carried of people I loved dearly. Equally, I think it's important for me to tell y'all that I'm not here to defend the use of illegal drugs. And I also understand the paradox of my history as a drug dealer standing in front of this committee. I stand here as a regular member of society. I am a stupid songwriter, y'all, but I have firsthand witnessed this in a way most people have not. I encourage y'all to not only pass this bill, but I encourage you to bring it up where it matters, at the kitchen table. Jelly Roll telling senators he's not a Republican or a Democrat, and it's not about politics at all. It's about uh, craving reassurance, in his words, that their elected officials actually care more about human life than they do about politics. Pretty impressive. Uh, he he did his own time for selling drugs, and uh, of course his career has just turned around right now too. Here at home, 484 suspected and confirmed overdoses last year. That's that's cause for alarm, and that's why the province thought. Well, here's another thought. Let's let's launch an app that will alert people about toxic drugs in the area, and the provincial drug alert app is. Coming out to send messages by text or email. And, uh, you know, they're looking for ways to do whatever they can possibly to stem the tide, if you will. But uh, I don't know, an app? I don't know how many users are actually going to be uh, downloading the app. But if it if it saves just one life, I guess that's that's going to be worth it for sure. Uh, still ahead, Samantha Beacon was on my show earlier from the Saskatchewan Teachers Federation. Uh, a, updated us a little more. Will, will they plan to go? More than just one day rather quickly if nothing turns out after that 
initial day next Tuesday? That's one of the questions I posed, and I'll give you some of that interview uh, coming up after the 8 o'clock news. And I'll keep this world from dragging me down. Saskatchewan teachers will hold a single-day strike next Tuesday. Samantha Peacock, president of the Saskatchewan Teachers Federation, making the announcement yesterday and joining me now. Good morning, Samantha. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Hey, I am a parent. It affects me, too. But honestly, I'll tell you, I'm kind of surprised only one day, Samantha. Why not more? Nothing seems to be working to pull a deal together. Do you think a single day is going to do anything? Uh, well, we're hoping that a single day won't uh, create too much disruption within schools, um, but also show government that we are serious about negotiating a deal that uh, improves the conditions in our classrooms and supports students, uh, not just in, in a short term, but over a longer period of time. Now, to be fair, upon hearing of the move, Education Minister Jeremy Cockrell said he's ready to meet again, and they've demonstrated, in his words, their commitment to addressing classroom complexity with funding and two brand new pilot projects they just announced this week. He also said they're offering a 7% pay bump over three years and is open to a discussion about salary and benefits, but you won't come to the table. That's uh, what he said. Anything else to say towards that? Well, um, that that offer that they're talking about in terms of salary, that is their opening proposal. That's where they've been since May, essentially. So, that isn't negotiations in and of itself. And teachers have a right to negotiate their working conditions. And those working conditions are our students' learning conditions. Yes, the minister has announced new pilot projects this week. Um, but those pilot projects can disappear uh, at any time without additional uh, commitments to ensure that they are expanded across the province uh, and that they support all of our students uh, over the longer term. And we just want, we're looking for assurances that Conditions will improve and students are going to get their needs met. All right. There's a couple things there I just want to hone in a little more. The government launched that advertising campaign last summer that uh, was telling everyone the average teacher here earns 92000 a year, which they say is the highest, uh, higher than the average in Western Canada. You called that misleading. For those who didn't hear why you said that, well, why? How is it misleading? Uh, well, it, it, I said it was misleading, uh for a few reasons. One, because it's just not accurate. Their own salary report uh, shows that the average teacher salary, when you take all teachers across the province and divide by the number of teachers, or divide their salary by the number of teachers, it isn't 92000 It's closer to $88,000. Um, and then, as well, that shows that teachers here in Saskatchewan have a lot of experience teaching. It also shows that teachers here in Saskatchewan have a lot of education. You have to have uh, a bachelor's of education or additional degrees and you have to have been teaching for 10 years to get to that $92,000 mark. That's the top of our salary range. So it's misleading in that that's not what uh, many teachers experience across the province. Uh, it's also misleading because it isn't above the Western Canadian average. They are cherry picking data, uh, picking only a specific group of teachers based on experience and education and comparing Saskatchewan data to that. Uh, and so when we look at the minimum, uh, the starting salary for teachers here in Saskatchewan, it's about 4.5% below where our counterparts in Western Canada are. 
And when we look at the top of the salary range uh, here in Saskatchewan, we're about 3.7%. So uh, it's inaccurate in, in many ways. Okay, how much time will you give the province to react after next Tuesday before making another move? A couple days, the rest of the week, less? Uh, time will tell. They can come back to us at any point and, and start to have a conversation. We are trying to do everything possible uh, to avoid further action or to even avoid the action next week. I have told uh, the minister and, and we have communicated to the, the government bargaining team that we will come back to the table at any point. Uh, and we just need to have a commitment to engage in meaningful conversations around teachers' working conditions, uh, which, like I said, are students' learning conditions. Okay. Samantha, I appreciate your time and the update. All right. Thank you so much for having me. You're rolling down the highway anywhere in this province. I hope you have a uh, winter car kit in the trunk, some extra clothing. Uh, right across Saskatchewan, the Arctic Influencers here and uh, extreme cold warning. Frostbite in minutes, uh, wind chills in the minus 40, temperatures in the minus 30s. It's uh, going to be quite the weekend if uh, you can to just snuggle up and stay inside. Maybe uh, enjoy a movie or do some uh, cooking, get something uh cooking that warms up the insides. But there are plenty who, no matter what, the weather, still have to usher the kids back and forth between Moose Jaw and Regina. Right now, we have got that huge uh, battle on the prairies happening in Moose Jaw. And, of course, here at home at the Cooperators, there's the Canadian Under-18 AA Tournament at the Cooperator Centre. But, uh, yeah, that uh, that looks pretty cool. What's going on right now in Moose Jaw our own Belton Johnson was telling me there are 20 different teams in six age groups between 11 and 18. And uh, it's 11, 11 on 11 tackle tournament. Four down American rule football. There are no punts or kickoffs. Just makes it easier to play more games over the four-day tournament that began on Thursday. But uh, athletes from Alberta, Saskatchewan, of course, and California, Boston are here. It's pretty cool. So uh, lots of economic spinoff in Moose Jaw and in Regina for this tournament with uh, more than 1,000 athletes and all their family and friends. And uh, then, of course, as I mentioned, the big under-18 AA tournament at the Cooperator. So it's it's a busy time of the year in sports. Pats are home tonight. They're playing host to Vancouver, PA tomorrow. And Sunday, the league-leading Blades are here who are stacked and ready to win the Memorial Cup with uh, all the latest trades they did. Yeah, Sunday at 4, the Blades. So, busy weekend for the Pats. Moose Jaw home tomorrow night to Vancouver. And at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, this morning I told you about uh, the Paw Port, the small pet door that is fully insulated, could survive Saskatchewan winters. This would be cool. Airtight seal, insulated door. It's battery-operated, so whenever the dog... Uh, where's the collar that's Bluetooth? It just sends the signal and the door automatically opens instead of you having to go let the dog out. And even if it decides to take a nap in front of the door, it's smart enough to know that that's what the dog is doing and the door remains closed. It's genius. If you're sick and tired of letting your pet out, <laughs> this might be the device. So it's going to be actually on the market in May. And we've heard of this before. The other one I thought that was kind of clever... But now they've really honed the electronics of it. Is get this from GE. It's the ultra fast combo washer dryer. In the future, 
a combo washer dryer that actually will dry your clothing after it's washed. So you don't have to go and remind yourself, oh, I got to throw the clothes in the dryer. It gets it all done in one machine. It's ventless, too. Requires less space, less time to operate, even better. Heat pump dryers use less energy and uh, than the traditional dryers. So this is pretty cool. Right now they say it's $2,900. Isn't that, if you go for the really fancy set combo right now of a washer-dryer, it's got to be at least two grand, right? This one is $2,900. It'll probably come down in time, but the combo washer-dryer unit. Now that's something I could use. 